to work, to do genuine work. Holding that attitude in mind, first have a feel for your immediate surrounding, looking for some element of tranquility that you can sense within your immediate environment. Any of your senses could pick it up. It could be something that you hear, something that you feel, something that you taste, smell. And once you find that sense of tranquility from your immediate environment, stay with it for with a few breaths. Stay connected to it. Without losing that sense of connection with that sense of tranquility, state your intention. What are you going to do? Why are you going to do it? And let that intention resound in your immediate environment. as if asking the, your immediate environment to become conducive to help you in this endeavor. And you yourself consider whatever you sense that comes from your immediate environment, consider it to be an aid to you. Staying connected with that sense of tranquility from your immediate environment, immediate surroundings. Now just hover over your body and sense a similar sense of tranquility within the body itself as a whole. you find it, stay connected to it with a few breaths. <coughs> so when you lose that sense of tranquility from within the body, then fall on the sense of tranquility within your environment and let that help you find again the sense of tranquility within the body. Now to help you connect with a deeper 
and deeper sense of tranquility. Now bring your attention now to just the legs. And find that sense of tranquility now within the legs themselves. And allow the natural intelligence of the body to guide you. How best to position the legs so that you can make connection with that sense of tranquility. adjustments may be physical, they may be energetic, or they may be simply in terms of attitude. And once you make definite connection with a sense of tranquility that you're experiencing through the legs, stay with it for a few breaths. And staying connected with it, after that, move to the arms hands, elbows and shoulders, and seek to make connection with the sense of tranquility, now with the arms, with the hands, the elbows and shoulders, and allow the natural intelligence of the body to guide you as to how best to place the hands, what distance should the elbows be from the body? Are you holding the shoulders? And after you've made uh, suggested adjustments either physically, energetically or in terms of attitude you feel a connection to a deeper sense of tranquility than before and staying connected with that sense of tranquility then bring your attention now to the torso following the guidance of the body's own natural intelligence, making adjustments physically, energetically, or in terms of attitude. You make direct connection with the sense of tranquility in connection with the torso and the back. And it gives you a greater sense of stability and this greater sense of stability connects you to a sense of physical confidence. Then bring your attention to the head and neck. 
seek to make a direct connection with a sense of tranquility and connection with the head and neck. Listen to the body's suggestions, how to adjust the head and neck physically, energetically, and emotionally in terms of your attitude. And when you make the adjustments, be aware of how the sense of tranquility is deepening. or stabilizing. Be aware of how there is a more subtle sense of the body arising within the field of your perception. Don't go after it, don't push it away. Let it go, let it happen as naturally as it is happening. centering the head and neck, make a connection to a definite palpable sense of tranquility <coughs> in connection with the head and neck. Then bring your attention now to the mouth, the jaws, the teeth, the tongue, allowing them to rest in their natural places and through allowing them to rest in their natural places, make connection, in connection with them, to a sense of tranquility. Having made that connection, stabilize it. Stay connected with the sense of tranquility. Bring your attention to the eyes. That the position that further enhances the sense of tranquility be the one that is the position for your eyes. For some, you could be closing them, others opening. Some having their eyes half open. Whichever one of these further enhances the sense of tranquility, that's the one that's for you. deeper sense of tranquility. Be aware of how it has affected the breath. Bringing the sense of tranquility now to the breath. Simply observe the breath, the movement of the breath. 
So as you breathe out, you know you are breathing out as you are breathing out. You know you are breathing in as you are breathing in. Staying connected with the breath and especially the sense of tranquility connected to the breath. Allow your mind to scan the posture so you can make further adjustments either physically or energetically or in terms of attitude so the sense of tranquility can be further deepened. scan the body and reaching a point of some satisfaction that you are now have made the optimum adjustments as far as physical and energetic adjustments as you can make. a definite sense of release of certain points in the body, points of tension, points of discomfort, being replaced by the sense of ease, the sense of tranquility. Then you go back again to observing the breath, and this time add the intention without having to make the, int the intention happen. Just hold on to the intention to keep the flow of your awareness on the breath unbroken as you follow the breath for 11 cycles.
should now at least be experiencing a pleasant or warm feeling that has with it a sense of encouragement to continue what you are doing. The sense of the body is light and subtle. The sense of the breath is the same. The sense of the mind is the same. There's a palpable, tranquil experience with the body, the breath, and the mind. From within this tranquil experience, bring your attention to the space in front of you at the level of your eyebrows and invoke in that space the infallible means through which you will definitely achieve the objective of your highest aspirations. Appearing in a bright form, the embodiment of all that you aspire to achieve. Express your reverence, your gratitude, entrust yourself you're doing and why you're doing it, strengthen your determination, and mix the strength of that determination with compassion, let compassion inform this determination. momentum, a determined momentum. Again, recall what you are going to do, why you are doing it, and direct that momentum to the success of this session. success of this session is not this ultimate success, but just for this session itself to be the best that it can be.
attention back to the breath. But this time the breath that is more physical, one that has physical characteristics of warmth, coolness. And through that awareness become aware again of the physical body, physical body that has weight, subject to gravity, occupies space. And somewhere within you, take a snapshot of the sense of tranquility that you experienced. I take it no one bought <laughs> the copy of the Metta Sutta. Well, I guess I didn't give it give it to you as a homework. Make sure you bring your Metta Sutta, <laughs> so I'll be the only one reading. <laughs> okay. I'm not. Sh- uh, there's one uh, other translation which I find some of the some of the words are uh, sort of resonate more than some of the translations in the other in the other, in the other works. It's by Pierre Doshi. Okay. I think that's how it's pronounced. Because I'm trying to remember my uh, Bangladeshi friends uh, pronouncing it. You know, the one percent in Bangladesh who are still Buddhist. You know that there's one percent Buddhist in Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, the Burmese border. Yeah, remember it used to be mostly Buddhist at one time, mm-hmm. and now it's mostly uh, uh, Islam. And there's like a one percent of the population. They even say like less than one percent of the population. They still maintain the connection to the Buddhist legacy or Buddhist society uh, culture that they had at back then. Well, not back then, but they still maintain the identity. Because they're no longer, like they say, Mahozani. They're Hinozani. (laughs) (laughs) And to them, Hinozani means uh, those who follow the rules perfectly. (laughs) And Mahozani are those who are loose with with the rules. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that's how I think I heard them pronounce that name, Pio Dashi. Right, so Pio, Pio Dashi uh, Terra is not just any Pio Dashi, Pio Dashi Terra. Terra means elder. So he's at least, Terra not just is like, you know, 100 years old or anything like that. He says uh, he's reached at least 50, I think 50 years of being a monk. Okay. 
something like that. And then you become a tera, an elder. And they have mahotero, something like that. Like, like the oldest, the one in the society who's the oldest monk in that society is the mahotero. Okay. Okay, anyway, that's enough social studies. <laughs> <laughs> so he has a nice way of translating it. So I thought I would use some of his words. So, remember the background of the sutta? These monks were doing this retreat and they were harassed. And then, as a defense, the Buddha taught them how to love. <laughs> okay. So they became invincible. They were no longer harassed. And those forces that were harassing them no longer harassed them, but actually did the opposite, became a helper to them. So that's the power. That's what happens with the power of love. So uh, I'll just read his, and then I won't, I won't dwell too much on it, so we can get into meditation. So he who is skilled in working out his own well-being, and who wishes to attain the state of calm, in this case nibbana or nirvana, as we do probably remember from Sanskrit should act thus. He should be dexterous, upright, exceedingly upright, obedient, gentle, and humble, contented, easily supportable, with but few responsibilities of simple livelihood, controlled in the senses, prudent, courteous, and not hanker after association with families. Let him not perform the slightest wrong for which a wise man may rebuke him. Let him think, may all beings be happy and safe. May they have happy minds. Whatever living beings there may be, feeble or strong, or the seekers and the attained, long, stout, or of medium size, short, small, large, those men or those unstable, those seen or those uns those seen and those or those unseen, those dwelling far or near, those who are born or well <clears throat> as well as those yet to be born, may all beings have happy minds. Let them not deceive another, nor despise anyone anywhere. In anger or ill will, let him not wish another ill. Just as a mother would protect her only child with her life, even so let one cultivate the boundless love towards all beings. Let him radiate boundless love towards the entire world, above, below, and across, unhindered, without ill will, without enmity. Standing, walking, sitting, or reclining, as long as he is awake, let him develop this mindfulness. This, they say, is noble living here. Not falling into wrong views, being virtuous, endowed with insight, lust is in the senses discarded. Verily, never again will he return to conceive in a womb. Okay, that's Kyodashi uh, Tero's a translation of the Metta Sutta. So some of the words I prefer 
that the way it's translated, some words I, not, I don't quite like. Like, for example, when he says, uh, may they have happy minds, rather than... Uh, may all beings be happy at heart. Some, uh, some of them translate as, may they be... Uh, may they be at ease. Okay. All right. So, remember, this is okay. You're in trouble. People are harassing you. You feel threatened. Okay. Here's instruction to protect yourself. The way it is, the way uh, it is. Uh, uh, the first, just the, I'm just going to focus on the first two sentences for now, and then maybe a little bit, and then jump, okay, into the uh, meditation itself. So this is to be done by one skilled in aims. This is what he, is, uh, what is translated here as, which I think is, uh, makes it, drives it, drive the meaning uh, better than than uh, here than in this one, where he says. He who is skilled in working out his own well-being. So this sentence here, this phrase is referring to someone who has uh, conviction in the laws of cause and effect, who understands that what you're experiencing is a result, and because it is a result, it has a cause. And then you, you have confidence in that. You have faith in that, that causes bring about results. And if you have a result, that is, if you have an experience as a result, and it has its causes. If it's something that you find unsatisfying, if it's something that you find unwanted, then what you have to deal with is the cause and remove the cause and the experience, therefore the result will no longer exist. Okay? So those who are, who, who are uh, confident, who are confident in this, in this, in this uh, principle of someone who is killed in working out their own well-being, is someone who is uh, skilled in aims. Okay, so that's what you have to become. You have to have perfect uh, conviction that when you do something, it will have a result. Okay, and if you're experiencing something, you have to immediately think uh, uh, that has causes and conditions that keep that brings it into existence and that also holds it into existence, in existence, okay? And, and you notice here it's a skilled, so you categorize things into two categories, skilled actions and unskillful actions. If what you experience is truly beneficial to you, then the cause is connected with skillful actions. If what you're experiencing is unwanted, it's uh, troublesome, then you have to connect it that. Then it's connected with unskillful actions. Because no one wants to experience unwanted results. At the outset, we wanted some result that is uh, beneficial for us, we results that we will find satisfactory. If we end up with something else, that means we were unskillful in acquiring it. Okay? So we have to learn to become skillful. Being able to categorize, oh, this will bring about conditions that are wanted, this will be about conditions that are unwanted. And just ex 
just look at your life and be very, uh, be very mindful of, of, of what initiates actions and, then, and, and be very uh, sensitive to what is connected to them. Okay? And the second phrase, which is, and who wishes to attain that state of calm? And this is what you must do. Okay? And here it is translated as, and who wants to break through to the state of peace? So what is referring to as calm or as peace is true peace. What is referred to as true peace is one of the uh, seals. Okay? One of the seals, one of the um, marks of things that exist. One of the, uh, you say one of the marks of, of, uh, that is true, one of the characteristics that is ever true. And that is true. Peace is what is referred to as a nirvana. And why is it, why is it true peace? Once you attain it, it's not like a, uh, when you attain something in the world where you have to be, a part of your mind is concerned about when are you going to lose it? When is somebody going to come and take it away from you? When is it going to deteriorate and become something and, 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 you're gonna, and become something else? So true peace doesn't have those kinds of, those kinds of conditions. You don't have to worry about losing them. You don't have to worry about somebody taking it away from you. You don't have to worry about it, uh, about it uh, deteriorating if it is true peace. Okay, so those of you, and that means you, all have, you have a, a, a attained to a level of conviction where you, where you have a firm conviction that there is such a thing as true peace. Okay? And having achieved that conviction that there is true peace, now you're going to work towards achieving it. Now this true peace, this true uh, calm, uh, is not something that you can uh, put things together and then create. If, you, if it is dependent on you putting things together, then you always have to be constantly worried about those conditions, those causes being removed one day by something. Okay? So it has to be something that is causeless. And we don't have to go too much into, into the details of that. Okay? So because true peace has no cause, once you attain it, you don't have to worry about losing it. Because the cause, it doesn't have, you don't have to worry about the cause being taken away from it, from you. Okay? And now let's bring this into, out of the realm of what seems to be mostly speculation, the, the realm of abstract. When you wake up in the morning, believe it or not, you are looking for nirvana. That's why you have that cup of coffee. That's why you have that tea. That's why you have breakfast. That's why you do all the things that you do. And that's why, you know, uh, there are certain things on the path that we do, not necessarily because they, they bring us immediate satisfaction, but we are convinced that somehow it will connect us to, our, to true peace. In the same way, you go to work even though work may not necessarily be pleasant, but somehow there's a conviction that there is some kind of benefit that you will get from this, and then you go and do it. And, and, and that conviction is somehow connected to the uh, fundamental drive of all beings that they're seeking nirvana. They may not have uh, formulated uh, uh, in their minds some sort of philosophy that they're looking for nirvana. They may not even have 
for, uh, come up with a word to even describe what they're really looking for. But in essence, that's what everyone is looking for. And yes, that's what soldiers are looking for when they go into war. They're looking for nirvana. Okay? And those who retaliate, they're looking for nirvana. Okay? Everyone, in all their actions, they're looking for nirvana. So what, where do we go wrong? It's the conviction that drives our actions. If, because we are convinced this will bring me some measure of peace, this will bring me some calm, some kind of benefit, I engage in it. Even though it may in the, uh, immediately make me uh, feel pain because I'm convinced it will bring me to some definite peace, I engage in it. Okay? And this is not happening at a, a, a intellectual level. This is happening from deep within your unconscious. Because uh, you get up from bed, you go out into the world with the conviction doing that will bring you what you, you eventually will connect you to what you really want. Okay. Now, when this drive is uh, uh, influenced or motivated by wrong understanding, it becomes then the, then the motivating factor is delusion. So we say those who are engaged in their very unskillful action that will not bring them the peace they want, but actually bring them the opposite of the peace they want, we say they are deluded. Or we say we are, have been deluded. That's why we end up with not the peace we want, but the opposite of the peace we want. Okay. Now when we think of our condition, that how we were so deluded, to have the difficulties that we are forced to experience, then we have to start having compassion for ourselves. It's not that we, were, we are somehow, we were once some sort of uh, inherently evil being who really wanted to make, uh, you know, like uh, your future self say, I'm gonna make your, uh, your past self, I mean, your past self had this, this you know, very uh, evil, very sadistic, kind of uh, uh, obsession, I really would like my future self to suffer. What can I do now to make sure my future self suffers? Okay? No, no kind of self has this kind of motivation. Okay? So the, your past self really thought that it was doing something that the future self will, that will connect the future self with, with some measure of nirvana, with some measure of true contentment. But because it was that past self was deluded, it was misled to believe that its action will bring it something at once, so it acted that way. And unfortunately, because it was deluded, that's why we have the experience that we have right now. And when you have this kind of understanding for your past self, then you can have compassion for your whole self in general. Okay? It's not because you are inherently evil. It's not because somehow out of all the beings who exist, somehow you're the single one who, are, who, is, who, is, who is bad. Okay? That's why you're forced to experience what you're experiencing. And this knowledge or this understanding shouldn't make you feel, uh, what, what I say, dysfunctionally guilty. 
where you say, oh, oh yeah, I was bad, I was bad, that's why I'm so experiencing so much difficulties now. Okay? No, you are misled. You are misguided. Okay? So when you have this understanding for ourselves, then we can sort of extrapolate this to see when you see someone in the process of being misguided. Ah, oh, they are misguided. They think this is going to bring them some actual good result. So just like I was misguided, now this person is being misguided. This person is being misled. This person is being uh, deluded. This person is being uh, duped. Okay? Then you can feel a sense of compassion, a sense of sympathy for that person. And that will allow you to connect with that person from a sense of compassion rather than from a sense of, of, uh, uh, of uh, distancing yourself, rather from a sense where, uh, from uh, wanting, um, where, where your sentiment will eventually may become hatred toward that person. Okay. Now this is where, so from just from these two, first uh, phrases, it helps you to set up uh, the attitude you need for the, for the, uh, for the meditation. At first, uh, the first line say, happy at rest. Uh, one says, uh, uh, then he starts thinking, happy and safe. So you first have a true sense of wanting yourself to be happy. Wanting yourself to be safe. And from the aspiration, it's not really an aspiration in the w where you, you're simply wishing it, but more in a sense of a state of mind that is not so uh, uh, um, uh, anxious, but with a sense of mind that is w sort of connected in the sense of willing it to happen. Okay? Not just wish it to happen and sort of leave it out. And then maybe some powerful force will take your wish and then will make it happen. But actually feel a sense connected to that. You, because you have this compassion, because you have this love, you are going to will it to happen. But don't let that willing, that will to make it happen, that willful uh, sense to make it happen, don't let that become a, 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 um, dysfunctional. Don't let it drive you into a sense of, of, uh, of uh, where you're feeling it connects you, connects you. You want to, see, willing it to happen, you're looking for it to happen immediately, and because you don't see it happening immediately, then discouragement may, may, may come up. So don't let that willingness lead to discouragement, but rather feeling connected with the power of the compassion, feeling connected with the power of the love, then you will. As, almost as if feeling... Uh, full confidence coming from the love that you feel, from the compassion that you feel, the love itself will make it happen. And stay connected to just that. Don't be distracted okay, by other kinds of emotional feelings that will lead you to the path of discouragement and being disconnected to the, to the love that you're, and the compassion that you're feeling. Okay? So, then you must have a palpable sense of love for yourself a palpable sense of compassion for yourself. Uh, in other words, you must see yourself as worthy of being loved, being worthy of having, uh, uh, being a, uh, an object of compassion. You yourself must feel that for yourself. Then you can extrapolate it to, some, to others. 
wishing them uh, happiness, wishing them well-being, uh, wishing that they 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 not experience uh, difficulties, not experience pain. Okay, then you extrapolate this, extrapolate this until the whenever any the thought of any other comes into your mind, immediately is this emotion of compassion, this emotion of love that that uh, is uh, that manifests in, in in your heart. Okay, now. Before this happens, because we are tr- because uh, the sense of uh, the mis the misguiding misguided uh, habit that we have, this is not the spontaneous reaction that we that we feel. You have to be very diligent, very mindful of what's going on in your mind when you are relating with someone else. Okay, you are relating with someone else. Be aware of what is guiding your conversation, what is guiding your relating. Okay? And just ask yourself, the train of thought that is going on in my mind right now, is it a train of thought that is of concern for the person, this person's well-being, this person's welfare? Okay? If you find yourself not having this kind of uh, train of thought, but rather thinking back into yourself, this person is hurting me, how can I get rid of this person? This person is annoying me. How do I get this rid of this person? Okay. And and this may you may stay in that in that uh, level without necessarily because you may have trained yourself well enough so that it doesn't become actual wish for this person to be harmed, but you stay within the level of how this person is harassing me. Okay. And that's what, uh, where you find in the uh, Dharmapada, where the Buddha said, if you, if you allow these kinds of thought to play in your mind, eventually it will become hate. Eventually it will motivate your action. And then you find yourself back into the, in that mess that you wanted to come out of in the, in the first place. Okay? So the kinds of thought that you allow in your mind, in those moments when you're, when you're relating with others, that's what will determine whether or not you develop this uh, force field that 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 the sutra says uh, uh, love that's what love becomes an actual an actual force field not just an abstract force field but an actual force field that that actually protects you from being harmed whether that harming is uh, uh, whether it's energetic whether it is emotional whether it is physical okay. It actually protects you. Now, to, for you to actually experience this, you have to start building this force field by watching your mind. What's happening? That, because this is what's happening at a, at a, on a daily basis. Okay? You may sit down in meditation and somehow, by some, by some miracle, you connect with a, a, a palpable sense of love and that you're able to ex- expand beyond yourself but if you allow these kinds of uh, uh, what seems to be almost insignificant thoughts to play in your mind, what they're doing is that they're undoing, they're, uh, de- they're uh, destroying the nice work that you, that you built up in that meditation or in those moments when you develop, when you make definite co- uh, connection with love. Okay. 
Yeah, that's exactly, uh, especially in those moments, that's when those kinds of thoughts comes up. I am being hurt. I am being... It doesn't mean that you shouldn't acknowledge that you're being hurt. If someone is stepping on your toe, it doesn't mean that uh, do not acknowledge that your toes are being stepped on. It, it, what you have to acknowledge, oh, my, my toes are being stepped on. Okay, that's a fact. But the thoughts that create other kinds of, well, create other kind of uh, experiences later on, oh, this person is awful, this person in, in passing judgment on that person that, in that way. The thing is, you have to be skillful. Okay? Allowing these kinds of thoughts to churn in your mind, is it really going to help you? Is it really going to help you to get to that nirvana that you hope is in that cup of coffee? Okay? Is it really going to help you get that? If it's not going to help you get it, then get rid of it. Because it's not really, it's not even, it's not even helping you in, in, this, in this particular situation. Your toes are being stepped on still. Okay? So, how do, you re, how do you allow your mind to act in that moment so that your mind does not become another, uh, another entity that is also harming you? You have this other person who's stepping on your toes, which is one person harming you, and now you have your, uh, your mind using that as another entity to also uh, add to the harm that's being done to you. Okay? Now, in the beginning, you know, you're going to have like a, uh, you know, for some reason I'm thinking of a cartoon or something where, uh, where they're developing, uh, uh, he's just starting to develop their special powers and it goes like a little, you know, like a little, <laughs> like a little uh, sparkle, it doesn't do anything, but it's supposed to be like, you know, some sort of force field that pushes somebody like, you know, 20 miles away, but you know, when you're exercising it, you know, and just, <laughs> so in the beginning, when you, instead of allowing uh, thoughts of, oh, this is what's happening to me, but instead of having thoughts of concern for this person, and you, in, instead of thinking, this is skillful, it's, oh, this person probably is so uh, blind, or so, uh, have no feeling on their toes and the foot whatsoever, they don't realize that they're stepping on my foot, is now step, stepping on my foot, okay? Or let me lovingly <laughs> let this person know what they're doing, okay? And also you can think of this person is, without knowing, collecting bad karma that's going to make them suffer in the future. So instead you just, instead of letting your mind it, uh, entertain the kind of thought that create this mess in the first place, you think instead some, some completely opposite way. Instead you want your mind to embrace this person with thoughts that you are, have true concern for that person. And, if, and, you know, make stuff up in your mind. Maybe this person doesn't have any feeling under their toes and under their foot. They can't tell that they touched the being or two. Or it's just an accident. They don't know that they didn't, they didn't intend to do it. Or this person, even up to the point where, even if this person said, I'm going to step on your toe, and the person step on your toe, you say, oh, this person is under the delusion like I was, thinking that somehow stepping on my toes is going to make, bring, bring that person into nirvana. That person is deluded. And the same way you felt compassion for yourself in the past who was deluded and created this mess for you, 
not think of this person now creating a mess for, for themselves, for himself or herself in the future. So the thing is, make your mind think in such a way rather to have a kind of thinking that will eventually lead to hate, which is not skillful, and I don't get you to your nirvana, but allow it that allow your, your thought to be processed in such a way that at least some concern is directed toward the person. And eventually, just like, like that, that cartoon person, it just doesn't really do anything in the beginning, but when you continue doing this, continue doing this, continue doing this, eventually it will become a force that will actually, where you will immediately have a perceived experience some sort of in, uh, a reaction from the person that is beneficial for the person and for you. Okay? Right? So, yes, you're being stepped on. Yes, uh, you're justified to be angry. But don't let the anger transform into hatred. Don't let that anger transform into thoughts thinking, how do I hurt this person back? But rather let the anger say, wait a minute, this is painful. I shouldn't be experiencing this. And rather let it lead you into a skillful means of avoiding this, of not creating this in the future, and then stopping this in the present. Okay? So, that's why uh, uh, Mirarepa, uh, in this very strange uh, 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 instructions, where he says, oh yeah, anger is wonderful, jealousy is wonderful, I bow to jealousy, I bow to anger, those kinds of emotions that you're supposed to be staying away from, is because you can consider them to be just informing you of something that's happening. But how you react, how you make that, uh, uh, take that information and use it, 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 that's what determines whether it's, it's, uh, it's uh, turning to something bad or turning to something that's beneficial. Okay? Yes, when, you, when something, when a situation makes you angry, you have, you're justified to be angry. Okay? You're justified to be angry, but don't let that anger, don't let that knowledge that you have been, uh, that you have the uh, uh, ability to uh, uh, come across, don't let that become stupidity. Okay? Don't misuse it. Okay? But rather let it inform you. So think of, and if you're stuck on yourself, immediately think of someone else experiencing what you're experiencing right, right then and there. If that will help you sort of take your, that sort of loop of thinking of, oh, this is what is being done to me, this is what is being done to me. They go, oh, how, how awful it is for someone else to be experiencing this. Where well, yeah, they're, they're stuck in thinking of, oh, this is what is being done to me, this is what is being done to me. And that will help you sort of take away from that. Okay? But you have to do this, you have to be mindful every time you're relating with someone. Even if that person is not directly relating to you. No, someone stepped into the bus, or stepped into the, uh, or you someone turns the corner, and that person does something that annoys you. Immediately, acknowledge, oh, this action leads to annoyance. Okay? But don't let it go into, oh, this person should be this, this person should be that. Okay? But rather, when, you, when you, your mind is thinking of the person, rather think compassionate thought towards the person. Think thoughts uh, uh, that has a concern for their well-being instead. 
Okay. That's why uh, I'm sure it's somewhere to be found where uh, I've said this long, long time ago. There are only two kinds of uh, uh, relating that, you, that, that, that is skillful. Compassion and admiration. Okay. If a person is not a fully enlightened being, then the only, your only way of relating to them is through compassion. No matter what they're doing. To you or to someone else. And if they all reach enlightenment already, then the other, uh, the other way of relating to them is admiration. Wow, they reach enlightenment. Don't allow yourself to have any kinds of other kinds of relating with when it comes to others. And of course, it comes with training. Okay? There's the immediate uh, trained reaction that we have where we are going through this in our mind. We're not even aware of it most of the time. And when you start to be aware of it, don't let that become, don't let that knowledge, I mean, this is knowledge, don't let that knowledge become a means for you to, to become, uh, to develop self-pity. Let that knowledge to become uh, a, a means for you to develop uh, uh, um, what's that word? No, putting yourself down. A dysfunctional guilt. I'm an evil person. Look at the kind of thoughts that are going on in my mind. Okay? No, it's just, oh, that's what uh, thinking that uh, I'm gonna, was going to get to heaven. That's what my past did, being deluded. Now it led me to, this, to having this kind of automatic ways of thinking. Okay? So now I know. I know it's unskillful, but let me now be skillful. Okay. All right. Well, that's a very long talk, <laughs> as usual. Uh, so last time we did, uh, we were blasting a particular part of the world with thoughts of concern of well-being, thoughts, thoughts of love. We're going to continue doing that. Now, before that part of our mind that wants immediate uh, uh, result, uh, immediately to perceive the results that they're aspiring to see, and all of a sudden, if we, like we were talking about, we were focusing on Syria, for example, immediately thinking, oh, okay, now I, I did my two hours. It wasn't even focused two hours. Maybe two minutes out of those two hours were focused. You were, I, said, I blasted uh, Syria with love, Okay, now everyone over there should be, you know, uh, giving each other flowers. <laughs> <laughs> so don't let that kind of mind, having those kind of expectations, ruin what, what you did. Okay? Remember, the first line. You who are skilled in achieving your aim, you, under, you have conviction that if there's a result, there must be a cause. If the result is not there yet, because the cause is not there yet. If there is this result, it's because there is this cause already connected to it. Okay? So be, be, be convinced okay, that what you did, even if it was one minute out of that whole two hours you were trying to send love over there, some positive thing happened. Some positive thing will happen. And that positive thing is connected to true peace. It cannot be stolen. It cannot be destroyed. Okay? Now, this is where uh, it, it, a warp kind of, a, not warp, but uh, not necessarily seemingly 
fair explanation. Okay? And it has to do with the nature of freedom of every entity. I am completely free to suffer as much as I want, no matter how much the Buddhas love me. <coughs> Until I decide not to suffer, there's nothing the Buddhas can do to make me not suffer. Okay? And you have to respect that also, because it has to do with the true nature of, be of things, of beings, of entities. Okay. So, if there is no wish, let's say for example, okay, for example, there is no wish for any entity over there to experience real, any, any real peace. No matter how much love you blast over there, it will bounce off of them. It will ricochet and go somewhere else. Somewhere where, where perhaps uh, someone wants it and needs it, okay? And by, act, well, not by accident, but, you know, by, by wanting it, they make connection to it, okay? So, in other words, even though we would love to see all of a sudden tomorrow, for example, every Syrian say, oh, what are we doing? Basad, come on. Let me shake your hand. Let me invite you to dinner. Let me get, have a flower for you. <laughs> I said, oh, what am I doing? Come on. And they hug each other and they cry. What have you done? We would love that. We would love to, I'm like, let's visualize that. <laughs> we would love to see that happen. But if they don't have the karma, I mean, it's the, it's the really no answer, answer, but no better answer. <laughs> if they don't have the karma to have that, then it will ricochet. That is, we see the result ripening somewhere else. Okay. Definitely within you, in your life. Okay. Like you're sending them candy and it bounces off of them and you get in the back with the candy. Okay. Something like that. All right. All right. So, to make it really personal, really think of your own kind of difficulty, your own kind of aspiration. Okay and then really feel a sense uh, or will, a willingness, a, a, a wish for that difficulty to be gone and for that aspiration to be realized. And then while holding on to that sense of aspiration, that sense of uh, worthy to be loved, worthy to be happy, worthy to be free of, of suffering, considering yourself, and then every once in a while sort of switch with Syria, okay? yourself with Syria, where almost as if Syria is the entity that has the problem that you are, that's bothering you. Syria is the, is the one who aspires to what you're aspiring to, until you're able to just hold on to Syria and then you don't lose that sense of aspiration. And then you keep blasting Syria with that, well, that uh, wish for well-being, that wish for uh, a contentment and wish for fulfillment of their aspiration. Okay? That's what we're going to do. You can even see if, if, if images of Bashir, Bashar, Bashar, Bashir. If, 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 if that creates images in your mind where he's happy and goes to the, uh, say, well, let me offer you some flowers instead. Okay? If that image comes to your mind, don't fight it. <laughs> okay. Right, so, right, so we got it? So first, enter into that sense of tranquility and let that be the basis for your meditation. Sense yourself, your, uh, uh, your own difficulty, your own aspiration, 
and switch yourself with Syria until only Syria remains and then keep blasting love, keep blasting compassion. Okay? All right. First, reconnect to that tranquility. And remember that sort of uh, agreement you made with your immediate environment and consider everything that's happening in your immediate environment as an aid to help you with this endeavor. back to that sense of tranquility in the body, the breath, and the mind. Stabilize it by observing five cycles of breath. back to the bright presence which is now above your head and think of that bright presence as your ideal self or in this case think of the you once you have fully perfected this force shield force field called love where you're <coughs> able to demonstrate to yourself having practical applications and then merge that with your mind in your heart and then work and begin from there.
stay for just a few breaths with the emotion of love absorbed in that tranquil state. And we call the words in the scriptures, the sutras, where it say even a second bringing love into your heart, the merits are immeasurable. So thinking this, dedicate the power of the merit of this meditation. resolution that once you get off from the meditation make a resolve to relate with others and be mindful of what thoughts are going in your mind as you're relating with others either directly or indirectly and to make those thoughts skillful attention to the breath, become aware of the physical breath, through the awareness of the physical breath, become aware again of the body that's occupying space, subject to gravity, gradually from the crown of your head all the way to the soles of your feet. feel like uh, I have to say something about, not tonight, (laughs) just next time we meet, say something about personal love, what is categorized or classified as personal love, okay, because I think uh, it has to be, something has to be said about that.